Everybody doing great? Let me ask that again. Everybody doing well this morning? All right. Amen. If you got your Bibles, open up to Joshua chapter 24. Joshua chapter 24 is what we're going to be looking at. It's going to be our key verse. It's in the Old Testament. It is um, towards the uh, towards the beginning of the Old Testament. It's going to be our key verse. And before we do that, I want to pray for uh, my mom, Linda Castile, and Salome. As they go to the jail, we do this. Every time that they go to the jail, we pray for them. And so let's just begin to pray that God would do amazing things um, in inmates' lives today and God would speak through them. Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, we thank you for your power. We thank you for your purpose, Lord. And Lord, we thank you that there is a hope, Lord. Lord, that no matter the situation, the circumstances, Lord, that inmates or prisoners face, Lord, that you have a great hope for them. You have a future and you have a destiny for them, God, that you want to fix them in the family as we're going to be talking about. So, Father, I pray that you would anoint my mom. I pray that you would anoint Salome as they go and that they would preach the gospel. And the Holy Spirit would begin to do a great work that people would be born again, people would be healed, people would be delivered, people would be transformed by your glory. Father, we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. Amen. Joshua chapter 24. You know, thank you, Kelly. You can, you can, it sounds beautiful. And I want you up here the entire time, but I know you'll get tired. So I'm going to let you go. Thank you. Worship was amazing this morning. Um, We're continuing a a series. Pastor Sam called me last night. I'm not Pastor Sam, by the way, uh, if you were fooled by that. I am obviously not Pastor Sam. And he called me last night when I was at dinner, and he said that he was in a bit of a quandary. He wasn't feeling well. And um, he he said, you know, I've got my notes, and I've got everything together. I just, I I may need to see if you you can speak in the morning, if you can preach. And I said, certainly, I'll be ready. I'll go home right now and get ready and look at everything that you got. And and uh, and get a feel for him, begin to pray about it, and just dive in. And so he sent me a text this morning, and go ahead and solidify that, and said he was still feeling achy and weak. And we prayed for him obviously this morning, and uh, you know before we got started in church. And and so we're going to continue to do that all today that he would be back on Wednesday night. So if you're a visitor, okay, if you're a visitor, if you're a first time guest with us, uh, you need to come back next Sunday, especially not only for Easter Sunday, but but to come back and to meet our pastor. He is a great great man. He is an amazing man of God that I have been had the opportunity to be mentored by, to be a friend by, to be pastored by, to work with closely. And he is an amazing man of God. And you do not want to miss out on meeting him. So if you're a guest with us, okay, don't, don't judge anything on today. Okay. Come back next Sunday and hear our pastor. He is a phenomenal speaker and a phenomenal man of God. And so come back and and so here I am today. And I, I want to say uh, uh, a special hello and thanks for coming to my friends, Brandon and Brooke Villafano. Can you guys raise your hand? I'm going to just put you on the spot. You guys are wonderful people. Good friends of mine that came this morning and uh, known them for a long time. And they're a great family. Be, be sure and meet them after church and, uh, and just give them some of that Church on the Rock North love that you guys do so well. So anyway, we're continuing our series on the family fix. We're in part four. Okay, and we're talking about the family and being fixed in the family and being set in the family. Not necessarily talking about the family of God, but we're talking about our family and in our children, our offspring, our physical house that we go to, our address every day. And we're talking about the family fixed. Now, let me say this. Okay, let me just let me disarm something this morning because I probably have a pretty good idea of what you're thinking. You're thinking, okay, 30 year old single guy youth pastor is going to talk to us about the family, doesn't own a minivan, never been in a McDonald's drive-thru with three kids, three screaming kids, never been to Parkdale Mall when there's a sale going on, never had to do Black Friday with 14 kids in a minivan. Okay, and this guy's going to talk to us about family. He's going to tell me how to be a father and tell me how to be a mother. Hey, I completely, completely understand that. Okay, let me, I want to disarm that for just a second, if I can. I want to say a, a couple of things that why I feel confident in sharing this message. Because when I began to prepare and to pray for this, and the Lord began to speak to me based on my experience and based on the family that I grew up in, God began to speak to me and just began to flood me with revelation that I'm going to share with you this morning. So I feel very confident, but I feel very confident because of this. Number one, I grew up in a very godly home. 
I grew up in a very, and I'm not saying that to brag on myself. I'm not saying that to brag on my parents. I'm saying I had the opportunity to grow up in a very godly home. From the time I was six years old, I got born again. I got saved in the children's ministry, a church on the rock, Golden Triangle Church on the rock. I got saved, and my parents grew me in the Word of God. Our foundation was the Word of God. Our foundation was the presence of God. Okay, I learned uh, memory verses from my parents, and they were constantly giving me godly wisdom. Okay, so from six years on, 24 years later, I'm 30 years old, I know what the benefits are from growing up in a godly home. And I'm not talking about a godly home as in we go to church. Okay, I'm talking about a godly home that when I walk past my dad's bedroom, the first thing he's doing in the morning is reading his Bible. Okay, I'm talking about a household that I grew up in that when I got sick, the first thing that my parents did is lay their hands on me so that I would recover. I'm talking about a family that lived out, believed, and walked out the Word of God. I'm standing here today. I'm able to speak to you today with confidence because of the household, the godly environment that I grew up in and what it produced in my life. Okay, number two is this. I have worked, I have worked with, with students and with teenagers since I was 18 years old. So I've been working with students from seventh grade through, through college age for about 12 years now. And I've had the privilege and the honor of having the insider's view and an insider's perspective of sitting down with families, working with teenagers, working with parents, and seeing everything to do with family dynamics. I have seen what has brought successes of family, and I have seen what has ruined families. Okay, I'm going to say that again. I've seen the successes of family and how that was produced, and I have seen things that has ruined and tore apart families and caused them to fail when it comes to God's plan and God's design for the family. So I have kind of an insider's view, an insider's perspective of when it comes to how parents relate to the, uh, their kids and how kids relate to their parents and what it means to have the foundation, to have a foundation of a godly home to have a foundation on the Word of God. So this morning, I feel super confident. I feel super confident in sharing the Word of God as we continue this series on the Family Fix. And our big idea for the Family Fix has been this. The big idea of this whole series is the family is God's big idea. The family is God's big idea. Psalm 68, 5 and 6 says this, that He is a father of the fatherless, he is a defender of the widows, is God in his holy habitation. God sets the solitary in families. Okay, so this tells us right here, David is saying in Psalm 68 that the family is God's big idea. From the beginning of creation, God has created family and he has established family and he is going to continue to work his plan through family. When God created the world and he created Adam, Okay, and he made Adam, and, and, and he gave Adam responsibility over all of these animals, and, and he gave him dominance over all of these animals. It said that Adam could not find a comparable mate. He could not find a comparable companion. Okay, if you can't find something, then that means what? You're looking for it, right? So he looked at the animals, and he couldn't find something that, to live life with. He couldn't find someone to live life with. He might have looked at the you know, the hippopotamus and said, you know, well, she'll be warm in the winter. She's big. She'll be warm in the winter. Not necessarily all that attracted to her, but, you know, she'll be warm. She'll protect me. It said that he couldn't find a comparable companion. And so God knew that Adam needed to create someone and to make something, make someone from him to have a comparable companion and to live life with. So God instituted instantly what? The family. We see that all the way, Genesis 1 and 2. You need to go back and read it for yourself. Know your word, Genesis 1 and 2, from creation, God instituted the family. And then we see, this is really cool, all throughout the Bible, all throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, God continues to establish and work through family. And he introduces, this is neat, this is pretty radical. He introduces the Son of God, Jesus Christ, he introduces him to the world through a what? family, through a physical family. He does it supernaturally, but he's born into a physical family so that we know that family is all about 
God's idea that he establishes family, he created it, he establishes, he sustains family, and he's going to continue to sustain family. So we see this all consistent throughout the Bible. But the thing is, is the family has changed. The family has changed dramatically. For, for, not for the better. Hate to bring you bad news and, and to be the truth, the voice of reason, the voice of truth here, but the family has changed. Society and culture has molded your family and has molded families into what is something that God did not institute and God did not plan. Society and culture began to be the moral compass for your family instead of the Word of God being the moral compass for your family. You see, society and culture is very good about infiltrating and influencing your family and causing your teenagers to make the decisions that they're making. And we begin to let society and culture influence them instead of the Word of God and the presence of God influencing and shaping and molding our kids. And that's an extremely thing. The, the enemy, the devil, you know, I, I believe in the devil because Jesus believed in the devil. And so naturally, I believe in the devil. And, and, and the enemy, it says this in John 10, 10, that he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Okay, it doesn't say he comes to steal, kill, and destroy and, and let off of you sometimes, and sometimes he'll bless you, and sometimes he'll give you some slack. No, 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 no. It says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That is his plan. God has a plan for your life, but so does the devil. The devil wants to de- destroy your family. And he knows that if he can tear apart your family, if he can begin to tear apart you, and he can begin to cause you to be distracted by what's on the left and the right, and he can cause you to let society and culture infiltrate your family, he knows that the plan of God will become non-existent in your life because he's ruined your family. And he has a plan for your life. And we have to be aware that the devil is going around infiltrating and influencing the family and trying to ruin what God instituted in the very first place. So we're under great attack. The family's under great attack. So now we need to be on guard. And, and I, I understand this. I don't mean shelter. Okay, there's a difference in building a foundation and sheltering your, 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 your kids. There's a huge difference. I've seen p- parents that shelter and, and, and try to, I mean, cover their ears and, and, and cover their eyes and, and to keep them from certain things. And there are certain envir- environments that we should, but you know what? Teach them the Word of God. Teach them the Word of God. Build a foundation on the Word of God and the presence of God. And when they are old, we'll read that in a second, they won't depart from it. It's not about you doing everything that you can do. Oh, well, who's going to be there? Who's going to be there? Who's the parents? And you start doing it. You're wearing yourself out trying to do all this work when all you have to do is focus on building a foundation on the righteousness of God and your kids will not depart from it when they're older. It's not about sheltering, but it's about building the right foundation. So we've, we, we've been talking about this, and the thing about this is that Pastor Sam came up with these definitions are, are very cool on the word fix because it means several different things. And we've taken these definitions that mean, you know, that the word fix means, and we've broken it up and we've made it into a series. And it, man, have you guys been getting a lot out of this, the family fix? I'm a single guy, don't have any kids, and, and it's been speaking to me. Because it is preparing me to be the dad that God wants me to be. It's preparing me to be the husband that God wants me to be. Not that I want to be, not that my wife wants me to be, not that my kids, but that God wants me to be. And so we've had these definitions. And number one was this. The word fix means to fasten securely in a particular place or position. That's foundation. We talked about that the second week, I believe. Foundation. You know, Pastor Sam, he gave the illustration. It was a great illustration about how a couple bought a house. And it was a project home. And it was a fixer-upper. And, uh, and they were excited about it. But when they, they, they wanted to start painting on it and chipping away at the old paint. And they, they painted it. And they started to fix up the outside. And, and, and it looked good. But it only lasted for about a year. Okay. It only lasted for about a year and it began to crack and it began to look the same as when they bought it. And they wondered what it is and what happened. And they brought in a guy, they brought in a specialist to tell him. And the guy says, listen, your foundation is all wrong. The reason why you keep getting cracks is because your foundation is bad. And until you fix the foundation, you're going to continue to have cracks and faults and your house is going to continue to fall apart. You have to start in the foundation with your family. The foundation is everything. It is everything that we build our foundation on the rock, not upon the sand. 
We build our foundation upon the Word of God. The foundation is the starting point. It is everything. It's, that's what we talked about the second week. The second one was this, to direct one's eyes, attention, or mind steadily or unwavering towards. That's talking about focus. We talked about that last week, that we have to focus on being intentional about making godly choices. The focus has to be our family. The greatest people we will ever minister to in the world is your family. The greatest people that you will ever minister to with your influence is your family. So we talked about focus. The third one was to mend or repair faults. That was the first Sunday. That was a good one. It's very important that you go back and you listen to that. We have podcasts on iTunes. You can get online and listen to it. You can buy a CD after church, um, listen to it in your car. We talked about the faults of the family, that we have to mend and repair the faults. Growing people grow people, right? If we want to grow people and you want to grow your family, you've got to grow yourself and you've got to fix the faults. And you've got to mend and begin to go to work and you've got to begin to repair the faults that are in our family. And the one that we're going to talk about this or this Sunday, this morning, is this, to decide or settle on a specific price, date, or course of action. Talking about the future of our family. That we have to decide or settle on a specific price, date, or course of action talking about the future. So let's read Joshua. Let's go to the text this morning. Let's go to the Word of God. And let me explain this just before we, uh, just so you kind of a little back history, just so you know uh, where we're at. Joshua has, has, is one of the leaders that has led the Israelites into the promised land. And he has taken them into the land that God has promised them. And they have overcome several things. There's been enemies all around them that surrounded them. And God has done amazing things with his power. And he has destroyed their enemies. And finally now Israel is, is at rest. Okay, And Joshua has led them in, and they're at a point of rest. Finally, we can relax. Finally, our enemies are taken care of. Finally, we're here. We have derived, and, and Israel has gotten rest now. And Joshua, at this time, he's about 110 years old. Okay, 110 years old. I'd love to, be, I'd love to live 110 years. That'd be awesome if Jesus tarries. Joshua is giving his farewell address. He's giving his farewell speech because he's getting old in age. He realizes he's about to die. Hey, I'm about to go. I'm on my way out. I want to leave you with a few things. And so this is kind of where we pick up on the future of our family because in this epic address, in this epic speech that he gives to the Israelites when he's talking about remember and let me remind you of all the great things that God did for you. Don't forget about this and don't forget about that. And when your enemies came against, came against you, God, you know, and, and remember how your fathers, they, they bowed down to idols. Don't return back to that. Don't get distracted. So he's kind of giving them all these godly principles and these reminders to live by. And then there's these amazing two verses in Joshua chapter 24 verse 14 that he says that it's absolutely amazing and this is talking about the future of the family he says this verse 14 now therefore fear the Lord serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river and in Egypt serve the Lord okay so he's reminding them hey you remember when you used to live in Egypt do you remember when you, your fathers, they, they bowed down to false gods and it did nothing for them? Do you remember when you were in bondage? Okay, he's reminding them, remember who brought you out of bondage. Okay, remember who rescued you. Serve the Lord is what he's saying. Don't get distracted. Keep your focus so that your future is perfect and bright, so that your future will be complete. Focus on serving the Lord. Don't get distracted. Verse 15 and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. So make a choice. You're either going to serve the world or you're going to serve God. But don't have one foot in and one foot out. Don't be riding the fence. Don't be one foot in the world, one foot serving the Lord. One foot in church, one foot in the world. He's saying make a choice. You're going to serve somebody. Make a decision who you're going to serve this day. And then he goes on to say this is very familiar with a lot of Christians. He says, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Okay, I'm going to read that again. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Okay, can we just, can we say that together? Can we read that together this morning? There is positive in the declaration. 
Okay, there is power in the declaration, the spoken word of God. So let's read that together. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's, let's say it again. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I want you to do something interesting. I want you to grab, grab your family's hand or grab your husband's hand or grab your wife's hand this morning. Let's begin to declare this over our family. Let's say it together. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. If you're single, keep holding hands. If you're single, just believe for the future. Believe for the future. Declare it. Speak it into existence for your future. Let's say it together. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's say it with a little gusto this morning. I believe Joshua said this with an exclamation point. I think he was pretty serious about saying, hey, this is what we're going to do. So let's say it again. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. You know, it's, it's, it's pretty cool because the word, the word uh, choose, it, it doesn't mean, it's not the verb tense. It's not just there for once upon a time. Okay. That, that we made that choice and oh that was great do you remember that day when we made that covenant we were going to serve the Lord we were so happy and everybody's crying and all that stuff no 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 okay this is what it means the verb tense means choose means I chose okay I chose I choose now and I'm going to keep on choosing okay that's what that means so it covers all of the verb tenses he says as for me and my house we will serve the Lord okay so he said I chose to serve the Lord back then I'm choosing now to serve the Lord, and I'm going to continue to choose to serve the Lord in the future. Okay, it doesn't say this, and it doesn't mean this, but this is what society and culture has molded it into. I chose, I choose now, but if it gets uncomfortable, I'm not going to choose anymore. Society and culture and the enemy wants to infiltrate and destroy the plan of God in your life into thinking that when when it comes to marriage, I I chose, I'm married, I choose now, because I'm sitting next to him in church and I better say I choose now. But in the future, if it gets hard, if it gets difficult, if hardships come our way, I don't know if I'm going to keep on choosing I don't know if I'm going to choose for my house to serve the Lord. He doesn't say if things get uncomfortable. He doesn't say if things get difficult. He doesn't give you any reason or any way of an opt-out. He's saying, hey, you chose. Hey, you're choosing now. And you better keep on choosing to serve the Lord with an exclamation point. He is serious about continuing to choose. But society and culture says, well, you know, it's just... You know, I don't know, it's just somewhere we just, we fell out of love. I don't care. Yeah, I'm single and I'm not married, but I know what the Word of God says. I would just, it, it just got hard, we just fought all the time. We'll fix it. Keep on choosing. You chose, you choose now. You keep on choosing. Ron, you know what it's like? I haven't had a date night with my wife in like a decade. I know. I can't imagine what it's like. I really can't. But you have to keep choosing. You have to choose as for me and my house. We are going to serve the Lord. You have to choose to make that declaration every single day. It's a day-to-day, lifelong commitment. You know, I I had the... uh, the, the absolute, <laughs> the honor of marrying Trent and Angela. And I, and I stood before them when they chose, years ago when they met each other. They chose, and, and they, they, cho- they, cho- they choose now. And I had the opportunity and the honor and the privilege to stand before them and to hear them say words like, I will keep on choosing. I will keep on choosing you. I will keep on choosing my family. I will keep on choosing to serve the Lord when things get difficult. I won't give up. I won't back out. I won't stumble out. I will not walk away from my commitment when it comes to serving the Lord and it comes to the future of my family. 
Too many fathers and too many mothers have walked out, gave up, stumbled out, fell away. And Christians in the church are left to pick up the pieces because somebody didn't decide to keep on choosing. We have to make a decision right here, right to... Right at this very moment today that I'm going to choose to keep on serving the Lord. It's for me and my house. We are going to serve the Lord. So big big idea, two thoughts this morning. Two thoughts that are very profound. Our children's, wow, our children's and family's future is about the choices we make today. Our children's and family's future is about the choices we make today. The other one is this, the choices we make for our children when they're young forms the choices they make when they're old. We shape the decisions of our children's destiny. The choices that we make today for our children when when they're young forms the choices we make when they are old. Proverbs 22, 6 says this, train up a child in the way that he should go and when he's old, he will not depart from it. Train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. The choices that you make while your kids are young are going to form the choices they make when they are older. You have to be intentional with the choices that you make. If you make ungodly choices, it forms the choices that your kids will make in the future. Believe me, I've seen it time and time again over the last 12 years when it comes to working with students. The choices you make, you have to be intentional with making godly choices. You cannot ride on a hope and a prayer, okay? You cannot ride on hope and a prayer. You, cannot, you have to be intentional. Okay, if I, pack, if, I, if I pack my bathing suit and my sunscreen and, 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 and my intention is to get to Florida, if I get on 69 North, I am never going to get to Florida. It does not matter what my intention is. It doesn't matter if I get all my friends together. It doesn't matter if I load up my surfboard, if I pack up my bathing suit. It doesn't matter if I put my sunscreen. If I gather in the driveway with my friends and begin to pray for travel and mercies and say, Oh, God, bless us when we're in Florida. If I get on Highway 69 going north, I am never going to end up in Florida. Right? It's as simple as that. You have to be intentional with your choices. Hoping that your kids are going to get somewhere and arrive at the plan of God for their life is foolishness if you are not forming the choices that they make right now. You have to be intentional. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. So if God's plan is to provide us with a faith and hope-filled future, then that means it is God's plan for for God himself to provide our children with a hope-filled future. Amen? God's plan is for us to have a great future. That means that God's plan is for our children to have a great future. But that means this, that it stands to reason this. That if God has a hope-filled future for your children, then that means it's your responsibility to help them arrive there. Not to just pray, not to just hope, not to just intend, but to actually form choices and to help and to set on course and to fix and to be fixed and to be set and understand that we are set for a date, we're set for a course of action, we're set for a place. We are focused on the future of our family. We are intentional about this. We are intentional about making godly choices when it comes to our family. So it is your responsibility, parents, to help get them there, to guide them there, to direct them, to tell them things when it's right, even even if it hurts. That we stand on the truth, that we stand on the Word of God. And that we tell our kids, not what they want to hear, but the truth. Not what we think will make them happy. Well, whatever makes them happy. No! The Word of God! The Word of God is what we have to invest in them. The foundation of the Word of God, not just something that's going to make me. I'm so thankful for the friends and the pastors and the mentors that stepped up and the parents that stepped up into my life and they said, hey, I'm not going to tell you something that's going to make you feel good because faithful are the wounds of a friend. He says, I'm going to step up and tell you something that's going to hurt a little bit, but I'm going to speak truth into your life so that it will remain the truth in the future. So that it will abide in you and you will not walk away from it and you will not depart from it when you are older. That we have to invest truth. That it's our responsibility to help get them there. All right. So this morning I want to give you four things really quickly. Four things really quickly. 
four cornerstones of choosing rightly for the future of our family. These are, this is good. Then we're going to fly through these, and I don't expect you to remember all the verses and, and to remember everything this morning, but I, I just want to go over these briefly and, and just, just share what, what God put on Pastor Sam's heart and, and his points about our family and the future of our family being protected. Number one is this, is the cornerstone of calling. The cornerstone of calling. Let's look over to Joshua 1. You guys doing okay so far? Joshua 1. Joshua 1, 1 through 5. It says this. Talking about the cornerstone of calling. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant or Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Go over this Jordan, that's a river, you and all this people to the land which I am giving to them, the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all of the land of the Hittites, and to the great sea toward you going down to the sun, so shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Wow, that is a mandate. That's a calling. Joshua had the cornerstone of calling. That's why his family stayed intact. God spoke to him and said, Joshua, it is your time and I have called you to lead. The problem is with society and culture today is there is a lack of fathers and mothers responding to the calling of leading their families. We have begun to let life lead our families instead of leading our life with our families. Okay, our responsibility... As Christians, our responsibility as followers of Christ are to respond to the calling that God has placed in our life. That fathers need to respond to the spiritual calling that is on their life to lead their family. And, and, and Jesus talks about this, and the Bible talks about this, that he's the head of the church, and that we are the head of the family, and that Jesus leads us, and that the husbands and the fathers are to lead their families as Jesus leads the church, and as Jesus loves the church. There's this picture of the family of Jesus leading, and, and, and husbands and fathers leading their family while they sit at the feet of Jesus. That we don't make a move, that we don't make a decision without hearing from God. That a father, that a, that a husband doesn't make a decision for his family without first hearing the voice of God. You know, we have to respond to the calling, the cornerstone of calling just as Joshua did. He's saying, Joshua, hey, Moses is dead. It's your, it's your responsibility to lead the people. You've got to get them there. He says, it's your response. In a sense, he's saying this. It's your responsibility to get them there. Joshua, I need you to lead the people. Husbands, I need you to lead your family. Mothers, wives, I need you to help lead your family. Not lead your family according to your own, own understanding, but lead your family according to the word of God and the presence of God. I'm, I'm surrendered to the calling of not sitting back, sitting on the sidelines, but respond to the calling of, of being a man and leading. You know, my, my dad, who's not here this morning, he's sick as well as Pastor Sam. He, he, he's not my real dad. He's, he's actually, he's not my biological father. He's my stepdad. I don't call him that because he's my real dad. And he adopted me. And my mom got all sentimental the other night when the fair came into town. She started sending me these sentimental texts, to, and, and the, that was their first date. I was two years old. And their first date was we all went to the state fair. And either at the fair, I think, or later on that night, my dad asked my mom, he asked both of us, like I was going to have a say in it, two years old. I probably did have a say in it. Well, uh, let's, let's talk about this, Glenn. Can you imagine me being a negotiator? I probably would be. <laughs> What's your grossly income? <laughs> what do you plan to do for our family? But he asked us to marry him so that he could begin to lead our family. And there has not been a day gone by that he has not responded 
to the cornerstone of calling. To the calling that God placed on his life when he says, I've designed you to lead this family. Lead this family according to the word of God, according to my presence. Help this young boy get to where he needs to be. It's your responsibility now. I'm so thankful for the spiritual fathers. I'm so thankful for the spiritual mothers that are not afraid to lead. Even when it gets tough. The cornerstone of calling. Number two is this. The cornerstone of confidence. That we have to know the way. John Maxwell says that leadership is knowing the way. It's showing the way and it's going the way. It's knowing the way, it's showing the way, and it's going the way. The cornerstone, the cornerstone of confidence is all about knowing the way. It's all about knowing the promises of God for your family. You know, when they were, before they were about to invade the, the promised land, there was giants in the land. They sent 12 spies to, to, to spy out the land and to see what they were going to have to overtake or overcome to be able to walk into the land that God had promised them. And it says they sent 12 spies. And 10 of them came back with a, a bad report. that ah, Giants in the land. A bunch of Goliaths running around. Giants. We can't, we, 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 can't, we can't take this land. But it said that two of them, Joshua and Caleb, came back with a great report. It says, we are more than able to take the land. You know why? Because they remembered and they held to the promises of God. They remember what God did for them back then. And they remembered and reminded the people of what God can do for them again. The cornerstone of confidence is this, is that you remind your family of the promises of God. That you remind your family of what God did for you back then and what he can do for you in your future. That you stand on the promises of God. That you stand on the power of God. That you remember what God is capable of. Right before he died, Joshua, he told the people, he said, listen. He said, God, those en- the enemies, they came against you. God destroyed them. God destroyed them with a blink of his eye, with a move of his hand, with a move of his pinky finger. He just destroyed them. Do you remember his power? God is more than able and more than willing to do that for you again. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. Don't lose sight of the king of glory. Don't look sight of looking to the hill for which your help comes from. Don't lose sight of the one that can redeem you, who did redeem you from your past and can protect you when it comes to the future of your family. Remember, have the confidence, the confidence when it comes to the promise of God, when it comes to the power of God. Hebrews 10.35 says this, I, I like this. It says, cast not away your confidence, which is great reward for you, for you have need of endurance. Cast not away your confidence, which has great reward for you, for you have need of endurance. Don't give up. Stick to the cornerstone of confidence. Stick to the fact that your God is more than able. Even though that we don't know what to do when it comes to the future of our family. Jehoshaphat said this, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you. I will not lose my confidence in you. I will not lose my confidence in your promises and in your power. That's the second one. The third one is this, the cornerstone of clarity. It's about showing the way. Isaiah 30, 21 says this. This is the way. Go ye in it. You know, when we lead our families, and we want to have the family fixed, when we lead our families, we need to have clarity when it comes to vision and leading into the future of our families. You need to have clarity when it comes to guiding and directing your family. You need to have clarity when it comes to teaching your kids, when it comes to making in those decision-making moments for the next job, for the next move, for the next church, uh, for the next activity that you're going to get involved. When it next comes to the next word of God, you need to have clarity. You need to know and you need to stand on that this is the way and we will go in it. That's what Isaiah said. There's not another way. There's not another way that all, ro- that, that all roads don't lead to eternity with Christ. There's not, a way, there's not another way to living a blessed and a prosperous life. There's not another way to having a great future with your family. He said, this is the way, go in it. You need to have clarity when it comes to your family and the future of your family. Clarity when it comes to the purpose of God. Clarity when it comes to the purpose of God. Hey, hey, guys, you gather around your family? And you say, guys, the purpose of God. 
The purpose of Christianity is for us to look like Jesus Christ. And for us to tell everybody that we come in contact with about the King of Glory. This is the purpose of God. You teach your kids and you teach your family and you teach, you, you rub off on your, your husband and your wife that say, hey, Christianity is all about revealing Jesus Christ. It's not about you looking like you. It's all about you looking like Jesus Christ. And when they look at your family, you need to teach your family that when they look at us, they need to see Jesus Christ. There needs to be clarity when it comes to that. That can't be lost. When they see the Castiles, they don't need to see the Castiles. They need to see Jesus Christ. And clarity has been lost when it comes to confusion because of citing culture and infiltrating and influencing. And it has been distorted. And the truth has been distorted. And like I said earlier, in order for, here's the thing about in order for history to remain history, it has to be told. In order for history to be remembered and for it to be told, it has to, and for it to remain, it has to be told. So in order for truth, and I mean, I mean this kind of truth, in order for truth to remain the truth, it has to be told. Without you telling your family what is truth, when your kids are older, the truth will not remain. Just like history would not remain if it was not told, the truth would not remain. And I've seen, I've seen parents that tell their kids and tell their teenagers things that whatever makes you happy. Okay, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that we're not supposed to be happy. We're not supposed to be doing what we love. God, God takes care of that. But when I'm a father... I'm going to speak the truth in order for it to remain the truth. I'm going to tell my son, my daughter, that, hey, sex before marriage is not right. So that when they get in the situation, when they get in the temptation, when they get in the moment, they remember the truth that remains on the inside of them. This is wrong. I'm going to speak the truth that homosexuality is wrong. So that in order for it to remain... The truth. I'm going to tell them divorce is not an option. It's not. We don't give up. We keep on choosing. We tell our family the truth based on the Word of God so that it would remain the truth. So that when they're old, they won't depart from it. And the last one is this. And Kelly, you can come up. The last one is this, is it's the cornerstone of character. We have to go the way. We have to lead by example. Joshua 24, 14. Let's look at that, and that's going to be our last verse that we look at. Joshua 24, 14. He says this, Now therefore fear the Lord. That means take the Lord seriously. Honor the Lord. Revere the Lord. Serve Him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the river in Egypt. Serve the Lord. He says, now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth. There's two words there that just speak to me. Sincerity and truth. When it comes to leading your family and protecting the future of your family, and it comes to your character... Are those words associated with your character? Sincerity. Truth. Those two words are key when it comes to having character in your family. That our family is based on sincerity and it's based on truth. That when we serve the Lord, we're going to serve Him with sincerity and in truth. That we're going to serve Him with great character. God spoke to this to me last night when, when I was getting ready. We're about to be done, guys, I promise. He spoke this to me. He said, if your spiritual house is not in order, it is impossible for your physical house to be in order. If your spiritual house is not in order, it is impossible for your physical house to be in order. Let me explain what I mean. If you're, you personally, 
when it comes to character, when it comes to your relationship with the Lord, if personally, if your spiritual house, you yourself, is not in order, it will be impossible for your physical house, as in your address, as in your home, as in your family, as in your kids, as in your wife, as in your husband, as in your children's children, as in your offspring, as in your legacy, as in your heritage, it will be impossible for them to be in order if your spiritual house is not in order. You see, personally, it starts with you and the family. It starts with you and the family. And then it begins to affect your family. See, this is how it works. It starts with spiritual fathers responding to the cornerstone of calling and spiritual mothers responding to godly leading and godly calling. And it starts with one person in the family. And when it starts with that one person, here's the neat thing. is the one person in the family begins to affect the family. And then once the family has been affected, after the family has been impacted and affected, it begins to affect the neighborhood. And after the neighborhood has been impacted and affected, it begins to affect the community. And once the community is affected and impacted and changed, it begins to affect the church. And once the church is impacted and affected and changed, it begins to impact the city. And once the city is affected and changed and impacted and blessed, it begins to impact the county. And once the county has changed, been molded, been blessed, been shaped, has been proven by God, has been shaped, and God is doing great things in that county, then it begins to bless the state. And then once the state is blessed, once the state is serving God, once the state has been impacted, it begins to affect a nation. And then once the nation is affected, once the nation is changed, once the nation is different, it will begin to affect the world. But it starts with one person. It starts with one person in the family. One person in the family that causes the world to be changed, that causes the nation to be changed, that filtrates down to the state, that comes down to the county, that affects the city, that begins to affect the church, and then the community, that begins to affect the neighborhood, that affects the family, that affects one person in the family. Blessed is the man. Blessed is the woman. Blessed are the children's children after them. Blessed are generations after them when they begin to fear the Lord. It is time. It is time for fathers and mothers to get some spiritual backbone. To get some spiritual backbone. To found their family on the word of God. Some spiritual backbone to say, no, this is wrong. No, this is right. This is the way that we're going to go in it. That it's time for spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers to gather their family around the table to begin to pray together, to begin to read the Bible together, to begin to prophesy together, to begin to read the Word of God and begin to pray for the sick and evangelize the neighborhood. I'm serious about this. That it starts with a person. It starts with a family that is ready. It says... I'm not leaving my future to chance. I'm not leaving my future that I'm going to be the man of God and the woman of God that he designed for me to be. That I'm going to look like Jesus. That I'm going to respond to the calling that he has when it comes to leading my family. And I'm going to do it with great character. I'm going to change a family. And with that family... I'm going to change the world. It's huge. Listen, what you, what you do in moderation, your kids will do in excess. What you do in your moderation, your kids will do in excess. If you cheat, you lie, you lack integrity, your kids will do that in excess. They'll do that more than what you did. It's just a principle. It's not me. It's just the principle. It's the Word of God. And I, I, I know that I, I've been tough and I've screamed and I've frothed and I've phone, but I'm serious about this. You know, I'm passionate about this. You know why? Because I see teenagers that are lacking spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. And I see parents that want to blame it on everything else except the family. I want our families at Church on the Rock North to be different. I want people to see, boy, that church in the Rock North family. When I see them, I see Jesus Christ. I see Jesus. Let me pray for you this morning. Father, we love you. 
We love you so much. And God, sometimes these things are, are so much easier to say than they are to actually do. And so, Father, I just pray that I just pray that you would impact every single person in this room, every husband, every wife, every father, every mother. Lord, that you would begin to speak to them. I ask the Holy Spirit would begin to bring a sweet conviction on their hearts and on their lives this very moment. That spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers will begin to respond to the calling. That our families would start to look more like Jesus Christ. That we would take action and we would start right now. That we would choose this day whom we will serve. Lord, for as for me and my family and my future family, we're going to serve you. Lord, I pray over our Church on the Rock North family, as for their family, they would choose this day to serve you. They would choose this day to fear you, to honor you, to take you seriously, God. That you're a good God. Help us, Lord, with our families so that we can protect the future of our families. Lord, we love you. We praise you in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. I'm going to ask our, our leadership te- team to come forward, our prayer team to come forward. We're going to be here in the altar, and we're going we're gonna to officially just dismiss. But if, there's, if, there's, if you need prayer for anything this morning, especially if there's something that you connected with that I said, don't leave here, don't leave this place without getting some prayer this morning, agreeing with someone, taking someone you know, by the hand. These, these wonderful people are more than qualified to pray with you to help you. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and you don't even know anything I talked about or you're not even sure about it, if you died right now, you go straight to heaven. Take one of these people. Do not leave here, leaving that to chance. Your eternity is the most important decision you will ever make. And it is the starting blocks for protecting the future for your family. It's having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. If you want to pray with us this morning, we're going to be here. Pray with, uh, for your family. For, pray for a prodigal son or prodigal daughter. I feel a very strong anointing on praying for that this morning. So if that's something, after we're dismissed, that your family's dealing with a prodigal son or a prodigal daughter, I want to pray for you this morning begin to declare that they are going to come home in the name of Jesus. So let's all stand together. Amen. We're going to go out with a shout like we always do because the Lord is good. Amen. Everybody doing okay? I'm sorry I went a little long. It just, it just happens sometimes. So forgive me. You can uh, blame it on me and uh, Pastor Sam. Will just He'll take it out of my hide next week or something like that. But continue to pray for Pastor Sam. Bless him. Pray for healing in his body. He's a great man. If you're a visitor, a guest, like I said, come back next week and to meet meet him to be able to meet him and, and and everything like that and get to know him so it's going to be great we're going to see you for easter sunday the house is going to be filled we're going to have a celebration service it is going to be an amazing day in jesus here we go let's go out with a shout we're going to shout hallelujah on three one two three hallelujah god bless you have a great week